Will Alec Murdoch get the death penalty? It's a question that has lingered since the once respected lawyer's July 14th, 2022 indictment on charges he murdered his wife and son last June on the grounds of the prominent Low Country family's spacious hunting estate. Months later, we still don't have an answer. But we're inching closer to the deadline for Attorney General Alan Wilson to decide whether this high profile case warrants South Carolina's most extreme punishment. Welcome to Understand Murdoch. A podcast from the Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover this story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. In this episode, we'll discuss the death penalty and its potential role in the Murdoch double murder case. Now, the Attorney General's office has offered no real hints as to whether it will seek capital punishment in the Murdoch case. What we do know is that the decision must be made at least 30 days before Murdoch's upcoming trial on January 23rd. And we know this decision will help define the legacy of Alan Wilson, a Republican who will enter his fourth term as South Carolina's Attorney General during the month Murdoch's murder trial is set to begin. We also know this decision won't be simple. Attorney General Wilson must weigh a host of considerations from the strength of the state's evidence to the wishes of the victim's family, who happen to be Murdoch's relatives as well. Here with me to discuss this decision is Avery Wilkes, an investigative reporter for the Post and Courier who has focused on the Murdoch case over the past year. How are you? Hey, great to be here. Uh, To start, why is this case eligible for the death penalty? So uh, in South Carolina, there are specific types of crimes uh, that are eligible for the death penalty. Uh, In the case of homicides, uh, there have to be aggravating factors uh, that make um, a killing, you know, more heinous um, uh, than than any other type of homicide. Uh, and there are more than a dozen of those type factors. Uh, this case meets at least one of those factors in the fact that it involved uh, the slayings of two people. So uh, in short, that's that's really all it takes for for this case to be eligible for for the death penalty. But historically speaking, Murdoch would be an unusual death penalty defendant, wouldn't he? That's exactly right. And th- and that's for a few reasons. Uh, for one, though, Murdoch has been charged with uh, more than 90 criminal offenses at this point over the past uh, year and change. He has no prior criminal record before this. Uh, in fact, his family is far more accustomed to the other side of the courtroom. Um, his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather all served as the elected solicitor in the state's 14th circuit, uh, which is the southern tip of South Carolina. And between them, uh, they actually sought the death penalty for more than 30 defendants over their 86 straight years in charge of that prosecutor's office. Um, His grandfather, Buster Murdoch Jr., in particular, was famous or infamous, depending on your point of view, for making over-the-top and theatrical arguments to juries in death penalty cases. Uh, He sent some 14 defendants to death row uh, over the course of his tenure. Uh, I mean, there were tons of cases in which, um, you know, he faced criticism for those 
those kinds of theatrical um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, really putting pressure on the jury uh, to reach the, the verdict he wanted. There was a case in which he inappropriately manipulated a jury by telling them that he would never again seek the death penalty in their county uh, if they failed to vote for it in that case. Uh, there were other cases in which he would display the murder weapon uh, in court for the shock value of it. One in which he swung a baseball bat, another in which he had people tie a garden hose around his neck to show how the victim was strangled. So the Murdoch family has a long history with the death penalty already, which would, would make it very unusual um, for, for Alec Murdoch to be on the other end of it. Um, then there's the fact that Alec Murdoch himself served as a badge-carrying volunteer prosecutor for the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office um, until last fall when he ran into all of these legal issues. And then, of course, there's the fact that the vast majority of capital defendants in South Carolina don't look like Alec Murdoch or enjoy the same wealth and, and privileged background that he did. The death penalty here has historically been enforced unevenly. Uh, black people make up just over a quarter of the state's population, uh, but represent nearly nearly 74% of those people who have been executed over the past century. And and Murdoch, as we know, is uh, grew up wealthy and white. So how does that add to the level of scrutiny that the attorney general is facing as he makes this decision? Yeah. So according to uh, you know former prosecutors and experts we've spoken with, the attorney general is going to be have to be able to explain why someone of Murdoch's background doesn't deserve capital punishment, even though the aggravating factors exist and even though the crime is eligible for it. Um, you know, if he doesn't seek the death penalty in this case, um, you know, critics could label it as an example of how race, wealth, and status are influencing a criminal justice system that is supposed to be blind to all three. And, and if he doesn't seek the death penalty, he will probably, uh, according to former prosecutors I spoke with, want to explain why at some point. He probably won't do that until after the trial. Um, and that's because part of the reason might be that this is a circumstantial case and it's uh, notoriously difficult to get a jury to sentence someone to death on circumstantial evidence. But he's not going to want to say any of that uh, before the trial, because anything he says uh, before the trial could could you know color what happens in the courtroom, could influence the jury, um, could use could be used to, to cast doubt on the state's case against Murdoch. So whatever that explanation is, we probably won't get it until after the trial. We know this case and that decision is going to get a tremendous amount of public attention. But how will the attorney general actually go about making that decision? So most of the prosecutors uh, that we spoke with said when they weigh a death penalty case, um, they give it a lot of thought. Uh, this is not just something, a decision they reach impulsively. And they, they weigh several factors in, in deciding whether to seek the state's most extreme punishment. You know, they meet often with fellow prosecutors in their office, uh, with investigators who work the case to discuss the, the evidence they have, how strong the case is, and, you know, whether they think they could get a conviction even when the, the jury knows what that means. And they'll also talk with the family of the victims. Uh, and we'll get into that, I think, a little more uh, later on. 
Um, so foremost in these discussions, according to experts, is whether Wilson and his deputy prosecutors believe they have a really strong case and, and really solid evidence. And in theory, the standard of proof to win a conviction in a death penalty case should be the same as any other criminal case, which is beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, but in practice, when the jury knows it's a death penalty case, they want to be totally sure of the defendant's guilt before they convict. And even beyond that, prosecutors weighing the death penalty will need to assess whether they have evidence, whether they have a good idea of what the motive is, uh, and whether they can put together a narrative of how and why this crime was committed that will show jurors what makes this crime so egregious, so heinous that it's worry, worthy of the death penalty. From my understanding, death penalty trials work differently than other criminal trials in South Carolina. Can you explain that difference? Yeah, the main difference uh, that will be obviously apparent is that death penalty trials come in two phases. The first is just like any other criminal case where a prosecutor presents evidence and witnesses and uh, tries to convince the jury of the defendant's guilt. And if the jury convicts, then that triggers uh, what's different, which is the second phase of the trial, uh, the punishment phase. Prosecutors and defense attorneys will again present evidence and witnesses, uh, in some cases, uh, different evidence, different witnesses. But the point isn't to determine whether the defendant did it, uh, whether they committed the crime, but whether the crime is reprehensible enough to warrant execution. This is where the prosecutor would go through those aggravating factors, where they would hammer home the defendant's motive, their callousness, their intention to do something heinous, their premeditation. And, and they try to explain why this crime is uh, goes beyond just your typical homicide, as weird as that is to say. Uh, in a case like this, the prosecutor might stress, you know, what kind of person not only killed their their spouse, but their child. Uh, prosecutors also can talk about, um, if they get to this phase, Murdoch's other alleged criminality, the financial crimes. Um, you'd expect them to talk about how he stole money, allegedly, from people who trusted him, you know, his legal clients, um, uh, his law partners, uh, you know, the, uh, how he took advantage of low income and, and vulnerable blue collar clients primarily and stole legal settlements for people who lost loved ones or were uh, seriously injured. Uh, so they would they would basically be trying to show that he's a really, really bad guy. Um, prosecutors don't have to prove motive, believe it or not, to get a conviction in one of these cases. Uh, but the jurors will want to know the motive in the, the penalty phase and the punishment phase. Um, and, and so far, we don't know much about what the alleged motive is in this case, but prosecutors have said it ties into Murdoch's other alleged crimes, including uh, you know financial and, and drug scams. Schemes. Uh, so this would be, you know, the punishment phase is a very emotional, uh, very sort of dramatic stage of, of a death penalty trial. So are there other differences between a death penalty case and a standard murder case? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, typically, death penalty convictions come with a lot of appeals, uh, which can lead to a lot of overturned convictions, uh, retrials. Uh, so prosecutors and judges are under a lot of pressure in these cases to, to do it perfectly, to put together the perfect trial uh, to ensure the defendant is treated with the utmost fairness, uh, to ensure that there's there's no gaps, no errors by either themselves or or uh, anyone else in the courtroom that could prejudice a jury or uh, 
lead to some problems in, in the appeals process. Um, and that leads to these cases dragging on without resolution for years, um, even decades. Another major difference is that when the prosecution gives notice that they're going to seek the death penalty, um, that gives the defense a lot more resources, a lot more money to hire expert witnesses um, and to build their case to try to pick apart the state's case. Uh, so that the state uh, will actually pitch in money to help fund the defense for death penalty defendants. And, and, and that obviously can make these cases a lot more a lot more complicated. Are there any other factors you think the attorney general's office will be taking into consideration as they make this decision? Yeah, one that I mentioned earlier is the wishes of the victim's family. Uh, Prosecutors often will consult with uh, the victim's family to ask what they want, um, whether they're willing to go through the years and years of trials and appeals and retrials. Um, Sometimes the victim's family doesn't want to go through all that. They don't uh, believe in the death penalty. They, um, you know, would rather the defendant get life in prison. Um, so that is that's a consideration. Uh, prosecutors will typically sit down with the family. Uh, they'll use that conversation to explain to the family what they can expect either way. Uh, to warn them that if they do seek the death penalty, and prosecutors agree to do so, that the family won't get any closure anytime soon because of all the appeals and and how you know, retrials and uh, just just how long that could last. Um, this case, you know, those conversations would be even more complicated uh, because there is a lot of overlap between the victim's family and the defendants. Um, you know, you would be talking about people who are, are all related to uh, to the defendant in some way. And uh, and we don't know for sure, uh, but I certainly haven't heard uh, in speaking with representatives for the Murdoch family that those discussions have had have happened um, in this case so far. Ultimately, though, it isn't up to the family and, and prosecutors will tell them that straight up. Um, they just want to have that conversation so that they can weigh that as one of the factors. Um, and one of the prosecutors I spoke with told me that it's actually you know the best gift he can give to the, the victim's family in this case is that it's not up to them to, to decide whether someone gets life or not, but um, that they do have some input in the process. And then really the, the last big factor that's at play uh, in this decision, I think, is the weight that the Murdoch name still carries in that part of the state. You know, the people who live in the 14th Circuit, uh, those those five counties down there know as well as anyone how powerful and prominent the Murdochs have been over the past century. There, there are really open questions about what what that name means now. Uh, you know, is it still the case that people really respect and fear the Murdoch name, or uh, are, are people you know down in that neck of the woods uh, ready uh, or want to to <laughs> sort of punish the Murdochs for the power that they've held? It's uh, reasonable people can disagree on on how you know their reputation will would affect the sentiment of the jury pool going into a trial like this. Um, so one of the things you kind of pointed to in that is that if the death penalty, that decision is made, then this could drag out for a long, long time. I mean, what time frame schedule would we be looking at? Yeah, for one, if they seek the death penalty, it's possible that the trial itself would be delayed beyond uh, January 23rd, which is when it's expected to begin. Uh, but then two, you know, this could go on for for years or decades and we would be covering this story uh <laughs> You know, uh, uh, you know, a long time down down the road. And, uh, you know, one thing that one of the prosecutors was telling me 
uh, is that when he speaks to the family, he would tell them that right now, you know, as as we're seeking a conviction, the case is about your relative, you know, your loved one who was killed or who, you know, was harmed. Uh, but if you seek the death penalty for years and years and decades, the, the case will bear the name of uh, the defendant uh, if, if that person is convicted. And so, you know, when, when it's covered in the news media, uh, when it comes up at trial, it will be, you know, in this case, you know, the Alec Murdoch case. It would not be the, the Maggie and, and Paul Murdoch case. So that's certainly um, something that, uh, that victims' families have to weigh is that, uh, you know, it's not really about them anymore if, if it becomes one of these cases. And as you've pointed out a couple of times, it's even more complicated by it being this one prominent family and all of these relatives being a part of this. Absolutely. And they have to decide uh, potentially if, if that conversation is had and if this is a, you know, a decision that the attorney general's office is seriously looking into, you know, they have to they have to sort of decide uh, where where they stand on this. And that's a really, really difficult place to to put the family who, um, you know, have have lost two of their loved ones already and and potentially, you know, could be at, you know, in the place of having to have some role in deciding what happens to another one. Well, this will certainly be a huge decision for the attorney general's office and they're set to make it soon. Um, yeah. Avery, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's all for now. As always, stay tuned with The Post and Courier for the latest updates in this case. You can follow along at postandcourier.com slash Murdoch hyphen updates. Follow us on Twitter at Post and Courier, and we encourage you to send questions, feedback, and tips to our Murdoch email address. That's Murdoch at postandcourier.com. We'll see you next time.